Thank you, Leslie. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 2. How many of you have ever felt out of place? Ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere? Yeah, we've all kind of had that feeling. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, my dad was the youth pastor, and we would go on a mission trip every summer, just like we, we try to do here. And uh, we always look forward to, to those trips. And I remember uh, one year we went, one summer we went to Jamaica. And we supported a missionary there, and so we were going there to just try to be an encouragement to him and do a vacation Bible school. And I, I don't know, when you hear Jamaica, especially maybe as a young person, you, you, you get this picture in your mind of paradise. Like, this is just going to be an awesome place. And I'm sure parts of Jamaica are. But the place that, that we went, uh, we weren't quite prepared for it. Um, it was just... It was dirty, uh, it was run down, poverty, um, just, uh, you know, I remember walking through the streets and just as a teenager, uh, having multiple people try to sell drugs to me and it just wasn't a, a really safe area, it just wasn't a nice area. But uh, we went there to, to minister and I remember uh, in the mornings we would uh, walk around neighborhoods and just try to invite kids to our vacation Bible school and we had a vacation Bible school in the uh, late morning, early afternoon. And I remember there just being over 100 kids there every, every day. And we had just a great time uh, ministering there. But uh, much like what we do on trips is uh, in the evenings you try to get away and you try to find a place where you can just go and enjoy yourself. You try to you know see the area and that type of thing. And I remember... Uh, one evening, we wanted to find a beach. We wanted to go swimming. And uh, we're in Jamaica. We wanted to go to the beach. So uh, we, I remember walking up and down, up and down beaches. And we just could not find a nice beach. I mean, there was trash everywhere. The, the beaches were dirty. There was broken glass everywhere. We just could not find a good beach. And uh, I remember we, we came upon this place that was fenced in. And the gate was open. And uh, I remember going there, and we kind of poked our head in. Uh, we didn't see any, you know, security on the outside or anything like that. We, we looked in, and we couldn't really see anyone on the beach. And, and the beach looked beautiful. I mean, it was very clean, you know, fenced in, private. And so uh, I remember my dad saying, hey, let's, this looks nice. There's no one here saying there's not a sign saying we can't go in, so let's just go in and, and swim and have a good time. So I remember going in there. And, you know, we, we'd lay our beach towels out on the, on the sand there, and we'd get in the water, and we were playing. And we weren't there for very long until we realized why it was fenced in, all right? And it, it was uh, something that these uh, virgin eyes weren't ready to see yet. And so uh, I promise as a youth pastor... Looking after your kids, I'm not going to follow in my dad's footsteps in that regard. Okay, I've promised not to take your kids to a nude beach, but that's what we happened upon. And uh, so we left very quickly. But I just thought, you know, that's a place where obviously uh, we didn't belong, right? We, we didn't feel comfortable in that uh, situation. We felt out of place. Uh, maybe you've been on the wrong end of, of an inside joke, you know, people that 
uh, you know, tell a joke, they're laughing, and you think, what are they laughing at? Oh, you had to have been there. And you just have this, this feeling of uh, where you just, you, you feel like you don't belong. You, you feel like you don't quite fit in. And no one likes that, that feeling where you're not, not actually a part of something. No one likes to have that feeling because I believe that our, our, our God, our Creator, designed us to live in the context of community. Uh, he created us with this desire and a need to be in relationships. Uh, I, I believe that God never intended for us to live in isolation. That God really created us to, to do life together, to be together, uh, and create us to live in community. Now, this is an interesting time to live because of social media. Uh, social media, I believe, has radically changed the way we, we view and the way we experience relationships. Uh, just to put things in perspective, we now have a population of over 7.7 billion people. And they say that uh, among those 7.7 billion people, 3.4 billion people are active social media users. So that's nearly half of the world's population that's active on social media. That means that nearly you know, half of our planet is using some type of platform. So we're connected, I see, like never before. And because of that, our world has become very small. Uh, you know, we receive so much information, we can know very quickly what goes on on the other side of the world. Uh, the New York Post says that we check our phones every 12 minutes and over 80 times a day. And they say that 31% of the people that, that did this study say that when they're not with their phones, they actually experience separation anxiety. And we see that we are living in this, this culture where we're very connected. Uh, we always have uh, news in front of us. We have uh, our contacts in front of us. We can reach anyone at any time. And so uh, I see that in our culture. We have this, this complex society where we're constantly scrolling and scrolling. We're, we're constantly flipping through channels and receiving information, but yet we're, we're left empty. We're left wanting, uh, desiring something, something different, something else. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hardwired, I believe, for community and for relationships. So we're living in a time where connection is at an all-time high, but we're also living in a time where community is at an all-time low. And we are, more than ever, we're in need of people to come alongside us and just do life with, right, to encourage us in our journey and, and to help us along the way. Um, so I, I want to look at something I believe that's really critical to our mission here at Friendship Baptist Church, and, and that's living in community. Let's look at this passage here in Acts chapter 2 uh, in this early church, and we'll begin reading in verse 42. All right, the Bible says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all, pe- all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you for this time together. And I pray that you would help us 
uh, this evening as we set aside this time to look at your word and to find out what it really means to be a part of a biblical community, Lord, what it means to belong to a local church. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, in the areas that we need help in. Uh, Lord, uh, bring conviction in places that, uh, Lord, we need to change. And Lord, I truly pray that you would help us. And uh, we'll thank you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul Tripp, one of my favorite authors, uh, said this. He said, we weren't created, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and a loving, humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects, yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources that God has given us. I thought that was so good because I, you know, I want us to understand this evening that community and relationships are so critical to our mission here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, For the body is not one member, but many. We understand that. Uh, we understand that a, a local New Testament church is, is made up of, of multiple members, right? Uh, one body, many members. And uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, I love this passage, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. And I love the picture there that, hey, when you have a, a brother or a sister that that falls or that, that uh, maybe goes off track, then you have someone there to, to, to reach down to lift them up and to help them. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can they be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So Solomon was saying that life is, is just better together. You're stronger when you're together. You're safer when you're together. And I, I want to make this very clear this evening that I'm not just talking about going to church. All right. I, this isn't a message about going to church. It's a message about belonging to a church. And there's a big difference. Right. There's a great difference between attending church and then really belonging to a church. Uh, going to church is, is very casual. It's a very casual thing. I know I know many people. Uh, who just attend church, e- even maybe some people that uh, are, are members here, who we would maybe say of them, and, and not in a really judgmental way, but just in a very obvious way, uh, they don't really belong. Uh, they're, they're, they don't belong. They're, they just attend, right? They're just here. And uh, so belonging has this idea of, I'm going, to, I'm going to dig down deep, right? God has me here for a reason. I'm going to get rooted I'm going to get grounded, uh, and I'm going to see what God would have me to do. And, 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 and God has me here to encourage people. He has me here to, to help people along the way, assist them. And, and I want to belong because, man, that's what God made me to do. God made me to belong to a local church. And so there's a huge difference. And as we come to Acts chapter 2, we find the early church. Now, this is the beginning, really the beginning of the church. 
you know, Jesus has already been crucified, buried, resurrected. He's ascended back to heaven. And uh, the Bible says what we learn is that when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit de- descended. And uh, on the day of Pentecost, we read that 3,000 people were saved. And it was just an amazing thing uh, to behold, I'm sure. But what's more impressive is that the church, as we read, it did, it did not stagnate after that. But it continued to move forward, right? It continued to grow. They continued to uh, just do incredible things. And, and God really blessed. And, and they continued to have fellowship and discipleship. And we see, as we read through the New Testament, the book of Acts, the, the church really started to take off in a great way. Because I believe they understood this, this idea of doing life together. That we were made for community. That, we were, that, that this is God's uh, purpose in our life. That we would do this together. And uh, so I want us to see tonight four components of what I believe to be a healthy community. All right. If we're going to have a, a healthy community here, a healthy church, I think these four things need to be found um, in our church. So number one, we see here in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 that there must be a pattern of consistency. All right. There has to be a pattern of consistency. Uh, look there in verse 42 again. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly. All right, they continued steadfastly. What, and what this, this word means is that they had this unwavering dedication, just this unwavering commitment. I mean, 3,000 people had just been saved. Uh, they had this desire to continue with, with what God wanted them to do. They said, we're not just going to start great. We're going we're to continue this. We're, we're going to keep this momentum, and we're going to move forward and do what God has for us. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So we see that community is built on consistency. Uh, you can't have a great, authentic community unless you first have consistency. I can't have a great community with my family Unless I'm consistently talking to my wife and to my son, right? I can't, have a, I can't have a great, healthy community in my marriage if I'm not consistently uh, talking to and, and loving uh, my wife, right? So the, there has to be this uh, uh, a consistency. And so what we see in the early churches, they have this pattern of consistency. The Bible says they continued steadfastly. But I want you to see some ways that they continued steadfastly, because I believe the Bible gives some specific areas here in which they continued. The first one that we see in this passage is that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. All right, they continued in doctrine. Uh, now, the, the word doctrine means teaching. So what that means is when we read this, that this early church in Acts chapter 2 uh, they continually, constantly, consistently placed themselves under the teaching and preaching of God's word. They saw this to, to be an, an important aspect of their life. That we, we need to be consistent in our doctrine. We need to be consistent in our learning. That we're going to place ourselves under the teaching of God's word. That means any time the word of God was open, I believe this early church had this mindset that we're going to lean into that, right? There, there's something there that, that, that we need to learn. We have this desire to, to grow. And, you know, we just don't see that a lot in the lives of some believers. Uh, they, they feel very, very comfortable, right? We, we get very content. It's easy for all of us to do, to kind of put it in cruise control and just 
all right, I'm just going to kind of buy my time and hope the Lord comes back. And, you know, growing is hard. It's, it's difficult. It takes work. And I see that so many times, but not here in this early church. You know, we, we, uh, we can't have a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. We have to be a church that, that knows what we believe. We have to be a church that knows why we believe it. We're, we're rooted in Christ. We're rooted and grounded in Scripture. We're rooted in doctrine. We need to see that this is so important, uh, the teaching and preaching of God's Word, the doctrine of the Word of God. We know what we believe, why we believe it. So they continued in doctrine. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, A wise man will hear... And will increase learning. I love that. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. They were increasing in learning. Again, it's this mindset. that Man, if the word of God is being opened and preached, uh, we're going we're to be there. We're going to be as close to that as possible. And I think practically speaking, you know, when we think about our lives today, what does that look like? And uh, not to be, you know, legalistic about it, but just, man, just I have this desire to learn, right? I I want to know what God's Word says. So not only am I going to feed myself throughout the week, right? We should always do that. Uh, There are many ways that we can learn. Uh, I I tell our teenagers all the time, I'm trying to get our teenagers to fall in love with reading. I love reading. I love reading books. And uh, that's one way that we can learn. Uh, podcast. Thankful that, uh, you know, two of our young men, uh, one just today said, hey, uh, we're, we're going to start listening to that podcast. And I think that's something that Lionel even encouraged them to do. And listen to podcasts. You know, there's many ways today that we have available to us to grow. But th- the idea here is that, man, I, I would want to be in life group. I would want to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because I don't want to miss out, right? I want to learn I want to grow. I want to continue. That's the attitude that this early church had. We need to be growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Wooden, maybe the most famous basketball coach that's that's ever lived, he said this, talking about leadership. He said, a leader who is through learning is through. And so is a team that such a leader leads. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. What's he saying? Never stop learning. Right? We should always be learning. Always be growing. It's a dangerous place to be spiritually when we come to a familiar passage, and maybe we even did it tonight, where I announced Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verse 42 through 47. Maybe some of you that have been around church long enough and been around the Bible long enough, you immediately thought, okay, we're going to talk about the early church. I know this. I've heard this. I've, I've heard multiple messages about this. I've read this passage myself, and it's so easy to to kind of say, uh, just kind of dismiss it. I've heard this before. That's a dangerous place to be uh, spiritually. We always need to approach the word of God of, okay, I'm hungry, right? What can I learn? What can the Lord speak to me about? So they were consistent in their learning. Notice in verse 42, they were also consistent in their fellowship. The Bible says in verse 42, Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now, the word fellowship here means uh, a partnership, Right or sharing, it has the idea of sharing. It carries with it the the idea of togetherness. So again, what it's saying here is they did life together, and we'll see that as we move through this chapter. They just did life together. Uh, they were partners together. They were sharing together. They had this this fellowship with one another. This this pattern of consistency. And I tell you what, that has meant more to me recently over the last year than it ever has. 
because I have intentionally uh, put myself in a position, I've positioned myself in with a group of, of guys that I, that I love and that I trust, and we try to encourage one another, right? We try to do life together. We try to hold each other accountable, and that's been such a huge, huge help uh, for me. And so um, this is what the early church demonstrated, this pattern of consistency in, in fellowship. And so there are some people today who have, I think, a, a wrong and even an anti-biblical idea that says, you know what, I, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus, I know things about Jesus, but I'm not really going to be committed to the church because it's, it's organized religion, it's full of hypocrites, imperfect people. I'm going to kind of worship by myself. I'm going to go to the park and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to just read God's word and, 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 and worship myself. You can do those things, okay? There's nothing against that. Uh, I love to worship outside. Uh, I love it uh, when we uh, go to Pigeon Forge and get a cabin. You can just sit out on that back porch because we don't get that at home. You can sit on that back porch, a beautiful view with the word of God. And I love doing that. But they get this idea that we don't need the church, but we need to reject that idea. Uh, we were created for fellowship. Uh, the church was God's idea. God said, listen, if, if you want to grow, if you want to be, if you want to do what you're supposed to do, you need to be a part of a local body. You need to be a part of a church. Uh, the Bible even says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We have to say, I'm going to be committed to the body. I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be consistent in learning and consistent in fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Notice it doesn't say, uh, let us consider ourselves, does it? No, it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. In other words, we come saying, how can I encourage someone? How can I help someone today? Uh, how can I build someone up? How can I show someone the love of Jesus today? And when was the last time that you paused and considered someone else? That's what the Lord wants. First John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know, there's an article in, in Reader's Digest, and it's entitled this, 13 Things Gems Won't Tell You. And I read this article the other day, and, and I know this to be true because I work at a gym in the mornings. And so here's, here's the number one thing on the, on, on the list, and it was this. 13 things gyms won't tell you. Number one, we count on you to not show up. That's what a gym says. We count on you to not show up. And I think, man, that's so true. You know, they say that 50% of people that start some kind of exercise program after a few months, 50% of or, 50% of the people that start something just fall off the wagon. And I think, you know, if, if all of our members at the gym I work at in the mornings, if they showed up, we, the gym's not big enough to hold those, the, that number of people, right? So gyms expect you not to, to show up. So the church, I think of that, and I think the church is not like a gym, Right, we expect you to show up. Right, we're we're prepared for you. We want you here uh, because the church is is designed that way. It's designed for fellowship. It's designed for you to come in. It's designed for you to to hold each other accountable and to encourage each other and to build each other up and uh, to help one another, pray for one another, support one another. 
So we count on you to show up. And as pastors has said many times, it's not just fill a seat, right? It's, it's not like we just want you here to fill some volunteer position. No, it's just that if the word of God is being preached, then there's something here for you. Uh, and I tell our teenagers the same thing. You know, it's, it's not about an attendance record. You know, we're not looking to break an attendance record. We, we, we're, we're really not concerned about every seat being filled. We just believe that God has something for you here. And we just don't want you to miss it. Uh, you know, um, we see that the early church had this, this pattern of consistency. They were consistent in their learning and their doctrine. They were consistent in their fellowship. And I love the phrase here in verse 42, and in breaking of bread. This is in reference to the Lord's table, of course, and we know what that's about. We take the, the Lord's Supper, and we know that the, the bread represents his body, and the, the juice represents his blood. And, and what that pictures is, is uh, Christ's death, right? His crucifixion. And this is a, kind of a common denominator of their fellowship. It was the cross. It was Jesus. That's what this early church fellowshiped around. That They had this common denominator that we're going to fellowship around Christ, that's what we have in common. This isn't a, a social club, right? I told our teenagers just a few weeks ago, listen, we, we want to be about being a disciple and making disciples. And if you're, if you're I told our teens this, that if, if you're not here to, to be a disciple and to make a disciple, then you can go find another youth group. I said, there's, there's multiple youth groups, I'm sure, in Huntsville that are just uh, there for you to have a good time and to babysit. That's not what we want to be about. That's not, that's not who we are. Uh, we're going to be united around Jesus Christ. We're going to be united in the cause and mission of the church. So they were consistent in learning. They were consistent in fellowship. They were consistent also in prayer. They were consistent in their prayer. Because they understood that where there's no prayer, there'd be no power. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 says this, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. If we're going to have a healthy community, we have to have these things, this pattern of consistency. We can't have just this, this hit and miss Christianity. Sometimes I feel like it, you know, sometimes I don't. We have to be consistent. We have to continue steadfastly in learning, continue steadfastly in fellowship, continue steadfastly in prayer. And so that's the first element that I see when talking about a healthy community. There's a second element, and it's this. Number two, there must be a fear of God. I see that here in this passage. If we're going to have a healthy church, a healthy community, there must be a fear of God. And I'm talking about a reverential fear, where we would just look at God in, in amazement and wonder. Uh, we serve an awesome God. Yeah, I remember just a few years ago, we went on a mission trip to Montana with our group. And uh, we had the opportunity to go to Yellowstone National Park, and it, it was just incredible. I mean, it's just amazing. And I remember we went to the Grand Teton National Park. How many of you have, have seen the Grand Tetons in person? Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I just remember seeing it for the first time. And Charlie was there, and some of uh, our teens, actually, I don't, well, I don't think any of our teens here were there then, but... Uh, I just remember seeing that for the first time and just thought, man, this is unbelievable. And, of course, I'm a nerd, and I think this has to be the, one of the tallest mountains that we have in the U.S. 
So I Googled it. I said, well, what are the tallest mountains in the U.S.? And this list came up, and I started scrolling and scrolling, scrolling. Okay, where is it? Finally, you know where it ranked? Number 60. 60. I thought, there's no way. There's no way there's 59 mountains in the U.S. that's taller than this thing. And then I, I paused, and I thought, what an awesome God. God spoke that mountain into existence. And uh, when you think of that, you just have a, wow, this, he's awesome, right? You, you just have a fear of God. And that's what this early church had. They had a fear of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, notice this. The Bible says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. The fear in verse 43, again, it's a, it's a reverential fear. They were amazed at what God was doing. So the, the word fear, it's not talking about a terror, okay, or being afraid. This is a great example in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 16. The Bible says, and it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, talking about Jesus, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and so much people of the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. He came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And notice this next phrase. And there came a fear on all. Why? What, what caused the fear? They, they saw this awesome work. They, they saw God do this amazing thing. The Bible says there was a fear on all. What, what did that lead to? It says they glorified God, saying that a great prophet's risen up, risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. So when they saw the works of Jesus, they were overcome with this fear of God. I think sometimes we don't have healthy communities is, is that we, we, we don't have a proper fear of God. You know, we just become complacent right it's just it's just we hear about great things happening we even hear about these kids getting saved over at good news club mcdonough elementary and it's just uh yeah you know it's that's great you know it's good that's a great thing and i think man we we've we've lost the awe of god Right, we need to recognize that God is working and that God is doing something special and that God is, uh, you know, saving these kids and He's doing great things in our church body. I hear of uh, different things from different uh, members here that God's been working in their life, and man, I praise God for that. We we should thank God for that. And so often we grow accustomed to what God wants us to to just be in awe over. Again, verse forty three, the fear came upon every soul, and many. Wonders and, and signs were done by the apostles. Now, these apostles were doing these miracles. And the purpose of these miracles was to confirm the word of God. Because back then, you know, they didn't have the completed word of God. Uh, they, like, you know, like we have today, we can open it today and read it. They didn't really have that. And so the apostles were, were given this authority and this uh, uh, ability to perform miracles in Jesus' name. And the Bible tells us what these miracles were for. Notice on the screen, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them 
that heard him. So the message we see was first spoken by the Lord, and then it was confirmed. How was it confirmed? Verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. So God would confirm the message of the apostles during this day, by doing these, these miracles. So these miracles served a purpose. Now today, these types of miracles uh, aren't necessary. Okay, we, we don't need the, uh, these types of miracles today. Because if we were to invite five speakers from all over the world to come here on a Sunday morning and preach a message, it would be somewhat easy for us to determine whether or not they were speaking truth. Right? Because we have the Word of God. We can follow along with them, and, and we can see, okay? We can turn to, you know, Acts chapter 2, and we can see, okay, are they speaking truth? We can determine whether or not they're speaking truth. Well, during this time in the early church, they didn't have a Bible where they could just turn to Acts chapter 2. So what happened was when the apostles spoke, God would allow these miracles to come so that it would confirm their message. So these types of miracles aren't needed today, but thankfully we serve a God that can still perform miracles, right? And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're saved tonight and if your sins have been forgiven, you are a walking miracle. Uh, we can praise God for that. And when we see this, this early church, they had a fear of God. They had a fear of God. And uh, we need to have that fear of God. Don't grow accustomed to what God wants us to be in awe over. So they had a fear of God. Number three, the, uh, another thing that will help us to have a, a healthy community is there must be a passion for people. All right, we must have a passion for people. Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, here in our text. The Bible says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. They were together. So again, you know, the Lord didn't create us for isolation. This early church was together. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. They had one mind. And what I see in this early church is there was this, this organic unity that took place. It wasn't forced. You know, a lot of times leaders today will try to organize unity, and uh, that never works. And this, this happened just organically because they were united around a common goal. They were united around Christ. And it says here that they had all things common. What does that mean? What does it mean that they had all things common? He explains it in the next verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 45. It says, And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now there's a distinction that needs to be made here with the word sold. All right, the word sold has the idea that this was something that was ongoing. All right, uh, it's not saying that they just one time sold everything that they had, and they gave... Uh, to people in need. It's not saying that. It means that they were continually selling things, right? If someone had a need, uh, they would sell their possessions and they would give to that person in need. And then if someone else had a need, they would sell their possession and give to that person in need. Uh, it doesn't support the idea, you know, some people misinterpret this verse and, and say, well, this is about communal living. You know, these people just sold everything and they put it in one pot and then they just distributed it. That's not what this verse is teaching at all. It's not what it's saying. Whenever someone had a need, they would say, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to be unselfish with what I have 
so that you can continue on. And so what I see in this, this early church is there was this unselfishness. There was this idea that, man, this, this life, it's not about me, it's about us, right? It's about, it's about uh, this community that God has built. And so they were always helping people. They, they, they said, we're willing to sell our possessions. Why? Because people matter more than possessions. You know, I saw an amazing thing. We, we, uh, Leslie and I attended church in Knoxville, a large church. And uh, they uh, had such a vision, just a, man, let's, a pioneering spirit. Let's get after it. Let's, let's do this and let's start this ministry. And, and I remember our pastor talking all the time about, man, let's knock out this wall and we're going to expand and put in this about, and we're going to, you know, buy this property down the street and we're going to try it. And, and a lot of times what I saw is a lot, of, a lot of things that he had a desire to do never, never came about. But uh, it, was, it was an exciting atmosphere. And this is the amazing thing. We saw multiple people, not just one, but we saw multiple people who would catch this vision. And they would literally sell their homes. These are people, this is just, you know, 10 years ago. People would sell their homes and they would buy something smaller and give all the profit to, to this work. And it was an amazing thing. It was unbelievable. And I thought, man, that's, what, that's kind of really what's happening here in, in Acts chapter 2. And so there was just this, this willingness to, to, to sacrifice their possessions, their things, in order for someone else to be encouraged, to see someone else helped. Now, there's nothing wrong with having things. Right? Possessions aren't the problem. Uh, but when they're given the wrong priority, they, become, they can become very problematic. And so we need to have this mindset and this heart to say, if someone is in need, I want to help them any way I can. What are, what are we willing to sacrifice? You know, are we, are we willing to sacrifice our needs for someone else? Are we willing to, to go without so that someone else in our church could have and that was, that was what was happening in this early church. It was incredible. It was amazing. And that was this church's mindset. They had this passion for people. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14 says this, But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. And that's the idea here that, man, they were saying, you know what? I have an abundance, and I see that you have a need. I'm going to supply that need, right? I'm going to help you. And then those people, they, they have, they have a, a supply, and they're going to help others. And it was just this, this unity that was taking place, this passion for people. And you say, man, that sounds extreme. And, and we have this idea, this is in our American culture, that we need to take care of ourselves first, that man wants let me take care of my needs first and then I can help someone else. But the Bible says in first John chapter three, verse sixteen through eighteen, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Notice this, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's a man, that verse hits you right in the face, doesn't it? Who has this world's good? You see a brother that has a need. You say, uh, I, I'm going to keep this for myself. 
I'm not going to help him. How, how, how dwells the love of God in that person? That's not the love of God. It goes on to say, verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. So you can say one thing. You can say that all day. You can say you love people all day. But he says, but we need to do it in deed and in truth. When was the last time we sacrificed something for someone else who in no way could ever pay us back? I see that happening in this early church in Acts chapter 2. They cared about people. They had, they had a passion for people. That's what a healthy community looks like. I'm willing to give up something I have because I love you, I care about you, and I want to reflect the love of Christ in your life. And then there's a fourth thing. There must be a spirit of gladness. Okay, there, ha- there, there has to be a spirit of gladness. We see that here in our text. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Let's continue on. The Bible says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They had this joy, this gladness about themselves. You know, today people try everything in the world to find joy and satisfaction. Uh, they, they, they look for it in all the wrong places. Now, we know, I hope we know this as, as believers, that true joy is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only place that we can find joy, true joy, true satisfaction. We can't find that in, in, in a, any other relationship, right? I, I love my wife. I love my wife more than anything in this world. And she's my best friend. But listen, she's, she's a sinner just like I am, right? We're, we're going to disappoint each other. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to do stupid things because we're sinners, right? I can never truly be satisfied in an earthly relationship. And she would say the same of me. And the only way we can find that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they had this, this, this joy and, and this gladness about them. We see it here. And it was amazing. It says they were continually, continuing daily in one accord. I mean, they were having church every day. That just blows my mind. They were having, they were, they were having church every day. Uh, they continued in the temple, breaking bread house to house. Whether it was the temple or the table, they had this unity. They were together all the time. And I don't know, have you ever been around someone for a long time and you started to get irritated with them? I mean, try going to camp with a bunch of junior high boys. You know, Lionel will tell you, Lionel just stepped out. Uh, you know, it's, that's hard sometimes. But they were with each other every day. They still had gladness. That's amazing. Maybe that's one of the miracles that they were talking about earlier in this passage. I don't know, but they loved being with each other. They had this spirit of joy. They had a spirit of gladness. First Peter chapter 4, verse 9 says this, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what an authentic community looks like. What happens when a community operates like this? What's the result when a church really comes together in this way? Look at verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I see two things here. First of all, I believe it attracts. 
it attracts. It's attractive. What happens when, when they had gladness and, un, and unity? The Bible says there that they actually had favor among all people. It, it was attractive. People were looking at this church thinking, you know, why are they so happy all the time? Why are these people always together? I mean, man, every time we see them, they're, they're in each other's homes and, and they're helping one another. Man, th- these people, they, they sold their, their donkey and helped, you know, their neighbor. And this person, man, what, what's going on here? Uh, and this, it was just something that, that was attractive. They actually earned favor and became attractive. That, that, you know, I believe that's God's design for the church. I believe that's God's design. The church isn't supposed to be, man, those, those people are mean. Those people are judgmental. No, I think when people look at our church, they should say, you know, there's something attractive about that. The way they care for people, the way they love people, the way they, they, they sacrifice. I believe that was Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21, where he said that they all may be one. They all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So when we're walking in, in unity, when we're living in community, the world will actually find that attractive. And I believe that people will start to say, man, I want what they have. That church down the street, man, they have something special there. I want what they've got. And I pray that we would love each other in such a way that we would support each other in such a way that when people think of Friendship Baptist Church, they say, that's something I've never experienced before. And it's very attractive. But not only is it attractive, but notice this in verse 47. It also adds, verse 47, Acts chapter 2, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Aren't you thankful that it's the Lord that adds to the church? That really, it's, it's... it's not about us, but it's about the Lord. And I believe when we have these things that's mentioned in Acts chapter 2, uh, living in community, you know, looking like this, then the Lord will begin to add to the church. I mean, he said, I will build my church, right? I think we just have to love people. We have to do what God's called us to do. And the Lord will add to the church. First uh, Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and, not that, the, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's, that's, that's why we're here. We want to see people experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're talking about community. We're talking about relationships. And you know, the greatest relationship, obviously, that you could ever have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know we're here on a Sunday night, and... And I'm preaching to a different crowd tonight, but maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Listen, that's the greatest relationship that you could ever have. But maybe you say, you know what, we're, we're saved. We're all saved here. We all know the Lord. Then let's be in a, a relationship with one another. Like we shouldn't just come to church. We, sh- we should belong to a church, Right. And there should be this, this organic unity that takes place, that we're in community, that we love one another, we pray for one another, we help one another. Um, we even meet outside of the church with one another. We're in people's houses. Um, we take care of each other. And uh, this message isn't because, 
you know, I feel like we do a bad job of that because I don't. But just to be a reminder of, okay, this is, this is what the church should be. This is what the local church should look like. And uh, I hope that, that we can all do our part. You know, I asked our teens uh, a few weeks ago this question. I said, do you believe that it's your responsibility to help build a healthy church? And we got some mixed answers, and we were able to talk through some of those things. And uh, I think the answer is this. Absolutely. It is every single person's responsibility to help build a healthy church. And so I would encourage you to go home this week, look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Just spend time in it this week. Think through it, pray through it, meditate on it, and do a self-assessment. Okay, am I doing what I should be doing? Right? Am I, do I have a passion do I have this, this, this eagerness to just grow and learn and, and to serve and to sacrifice? Um, and if we're all doing our part, then we'll have a healthy church. And it will become attractive. And then the Lord will add. And we'll begin to see just amazing things. And so that's, what, uh, that's my prayer for our church. And I hope that... Uh, that uh, maybe the Lord will use that in some way to, to help you moving forward. And so let's pray together, and um, we'll be dismissed. Um, let's pray for, um, again, Pastor, his families. They'll be traveling back this week, traveling home. And, of course, Tim and Kip traveling to Slovakia. Let's pray for them, that they would have a good time as well. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, I'm thankful for this 